You are listening to Innovators Can Laugh with Eric Melcher, where I dive into the interesting and fascinating stories of innovators and startup founders from Europe. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. My guest today is Yeva Vaikevichute, CEO and co-founder of Mindletech, which provides a safe place where employees can reflect on their emotional state and train their minds the same way they train their bodies. Mindletech is a second place winner of the Global Hack, which had over 15,000 participants across 100 plus countries. Yeva, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey, Eric. Really nice being here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Where are you at right now? I'm currently calling from Vilnius, the capital of Lithuania. Okay, fantastic. Because I know sometimes you go to Spain, you work from there, and you know, you, I don't know what you do over there. I think maybe a lot of sangria, a lot of surfing, maybe bullfighting. <laughs> no, actually tapas. Tapas is my main focus there. Main focus. All right. All right. What's what's your favorite tapa? Oh, I think it's grilled vegetables. I love the most. Mm. Also shrimps. Oh, yeah. Okay, so to get started, I'd like the audience to know a little bit about you. So I've got some quirky questions for you. The first one is, what is a show or movie that you can watch again and again and never get tired of? Actually, <clears throat> since very early age, I was into Friends. Uh, I think they represent a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, real life situations where you can find yourself or somebody around you. So <clears throat> it's definitely Friends. <laughs> You know, that was my wife's favorite show. I had never seen it. But then, of course, I saw all the episodes now because of her. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a great show. I, 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 I'm I, here with you. Okay, last last funny question here. What is one of your pet peeves? Pet peeves? Yeah, pet peeves. Something that annoys you. Uh, I should have prepared for these questions. But, uh, okay, the latest one, I had issues with my plumbing. So, um Ah, yeah, that continues. That really annoys me on a daily basis. So currently, it's really hard for me to start the um, uh, hot water. I really need to wait for a long time. So every day, in order to go to the shower, no matter how early or late I go, yeah. I live in the top floor. Uh -huh. I actually have to go to the... Uh, I, I usually turn the hot water on, then I go to the toilet, then I'm going uh, to make myself coffee, and only then <laughs> I have some sort of warmish water there. The good side, where which I see here, is that uh, cold water also like wakes me up uh, yeah. pretty good. So I never have hot shower, and it's not the choice. <laughs> so. That would be very frustrating. I can imagine so. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So you went to school, you got a degree in psychology, but what did you want to be when you were a kid? Oh, I remember. Oh, those were good days. So I remember myself uh, at the age of four or five. That was when I heard this question of who do you want to be when you grow up? And back in those days, people were still uh, used to having one uh, job for their majority of life, yeah, right? They yeah. finish uh, university related to the subject that you will be working on uh, for upcoming 20, 30 years. And I'm coming from the family where my parents were also really like stable in their positions. So I remember them asking, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? For the rest of your life. And I remember wishing to be a hairdresser. I already cut <laughs> a lot of hair by that time, including all of my dolls. 
and uh, my myself of course i tried to like cut um uh, what's what's the name of the short um uh, mm, short hair on the top i i forgot the name of it but anyway i re- i i had this like uh, like bangs. really really short yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to get rid of them yeah. by cutting them. Yeah. So I had this very, very short hair on top of my head. Uh, and then I was cutting hair of my grandmother's without <laughs> her noticing. So <laughs> that you, was my real... How would you do that? I don't know. I, I, when she was sitting like in her chair and you would just, you know, sneak up behind her and start cutting? No, it, was, it wasn't that nasty. I actually did a pretty good job, but I was like trying to explain her why she would look better with this type of haircut that I wanted for her that wasn't even equal or on both sides. Yeah. I was very entrepreneur in the hairstyling business. <laughs> like that. And, and then I, I was asking my parents to give me a sister for this reason. <laughs> if she's listening, you know the story. That was only the first wish. But once you were born, it was so much more there. I promise. But yeah, uh, cutting hair was something that I, I really admired. Yeah. yeah. What about the neighbor's dog? Did they did you practice on the neighbors or their dog or their kids? <laughs> no, I know some boundaries. Only glass. I only <laughs> broke glass. <laughs> once <laughs> okay and did your sister when she grew up a little bit you know did you ever give her a bad haircut or a good haircut all my haircuts were really good okay it's a matter of who is uh who, who was evaluating them <laughs> no but re- really one was a bit unsuccessful i have to admit uh because i convinced her uh-huh. uh, to become a rasta man when she was at at the age of uh, three or four, and she had the hair this long, okay. and I decided to make dreadlocks for her. Oh, I, did, no. I did not know how to do it. Oh, no. So somehow I realized that it should be related to um, um, to something like additional ropes, like uh, small ropes. Okay. And I started making uh, making various uh, uh, like uh, collections with uh, ropes in different styles and oh then she God. ended up having so much like <laughs> hair and and it was fun for a moment but actually the worst part was that it got stuck and we could not take it off so we had to cut it it was just oh my god and i recently found a picture of it okay the rope was green <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing to find the pictures. So she had this like green rope on her head at the age of three. Oh my and, god! And somehow I was, I I did not know Bob Marley back then, but I knew the subculture, and I don't know. I, yeah, it was it was a great. <laughs> but remembering this really really makes me uh, makes me really happy, and I'm so thankful for her for letting me do this. Okay. I've never experimented on her hair that much ever again afterwards <laughs> because she literally had to cut it. <laughs> well, she didn't cut it, but your mom probably had to cut it, right? No, we we both did it, yeah. Oh man! And but the good part that that parents actually did not see that as a big issue. They were like, okay, as long as it's under consent. And my sister was up for it because they actually made a valid point. Why she, she's just three years old? There's no consent. She's three years old. For the record, for the record, I was eight. So 
It wasn't like a really big difference. Oh my God. I was just telling my wife this morning that our little girl who's two and a half finally has hair long enough to put into a ponytail. And so I can only imagine if her older brother got the bright idea to give her a hairstyle like Bob Marley and she had like green ropes everywhere in her hair and we had to cut it. Oh my God. He would be in so much trouble. <laughs> and if he told me, if he, if he told me, oh, she, you know, she gave her consent. I would look at him. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, Okay. Okay. This is, all right. I'm starting to cry over here from laughing too hard. All right. Let's jump. Let's jump a little bit to, okay. What was one of the most valuable lessons or piece of advice that your mom or dad gave you when you were growing up? Don't cut hair. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be a hairstylist. Maybe you should think about different career, and that's how I finished psychology. <laughs> Not because I wanted a different career, but because I had to dealt with it, deal with this trauma afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, okay. The advice. Ah. Oh, I guess the, I don't know, it's, uh, I, I guess the, the, the one thing that pops into my head is how my father, I wonder if it's, well, it is an advice. He was actually, uh, when I was growing up and at the age of 12 or 13, mm -hmm. when you started having your, um, like, uh, puberty hits mm -hmm. and your body changes and you're not satisfied with it and boys are making fun of you because you change in ways. Anyway, I remember <laughs> him uh, taking me on his lap when I was crying why my body is strange and I'm ugly or like I, I don't like this pain that I'm having in my stomach and all these things. He actually took me on his lap and basically um, tried to explain how, how big of a, of a power I have within my body and that's, uh, and this pain that I have on monthly basis or these changes in my body are contributing to the amazing thing that I can, uh, that I can do to give uh, birth and create life and that I should cherish this uh, body and this opportunity my whole life. So I think that's the, one of the first, first things that come up uh, to my mind, but of course there were many. My mother was also making really, really good point about not quitting things uh, when they get hard, that everyone can quit. But those who hustle uh, through tough times, they reach uh, next levels of uh, um, subjective happiness. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are both very, very good advices. I'm going to remember what your father told you, and maybe I'll be in that position later on in, in, my, uh, in my life with my daughter. Okay. Now, before university, you were a mentor. Can you tell us more about that? Who did you mentor? Uh, before university. Yes. Ah, yeah. So since the age of 13, I was um, scout in a scout's troop. And, and usually when you get older, the whole system, NGO system, uh, helps you grow uh, by mentoring you. And once you get older, you become a mentor of a uh, younger generation. So this is where, uh, at the age of 15, 16, I started mentoring uh, younger kids running uh, in the forest, trying not to burn themselves in the fire. <laughs> and and uh, I grew from there into training facilitation. So I was also mentoring um, adults later on uh, when it 
comes to uh, leading groups. So firstly, okay. mentoring kids uh, and then mentoring leaders who mentor kids. Fascinating. Okay, let's jump to MindLitech, which you launched last year. When did you know that you wanted to create a safe place or a platform where employees could reflect on their emotional state with a community and or with the community of certified professionals? When did you know you wanted to launch this? When I studied psychology, I remember wishing to find ways how to create spaces for people to uh, live a unique uh, and better life, what defines better for themselves. Uh, I was always a fan of positive psychology that focuses on how to uh, increase your subjective happiness and not a general norm of happiness. So so I guess it started uh, many years ago. But uh, when we talk about this particular solution that we currently have, a mental gym, as we call it, um, a bit over uh, over of two years, I was uh, already working within the field of connecting professionals with uh, professional service providers in um, uh, physical health mm-hmm. with those who wish to uh, um, get services. And this is where I wanted to move into this mental health um, branch more. Uh, and then during the uh, first uh, wave of pandemic, um, I myself experienced this huge anxiety. I was also volunteering with uh, the data analyst team, trying to prognose how many resources we will need on a city level. And it was it was crazy times. But at the same time, there was this hackathon that connected people to solve uh, COVID-related struggles. And surprise, surprise, of course, I'm interested in this like mental, emotional balance struggle that everyone has. And pandemic just boosted it. So that's where I come in with the same message that, hey, we should train our minds the same way we train our bodies, no matter how mentally fit we are. We can always be stronger, more resilient, more subjectively happy and confront any conflicts that come our way. Okay. Okay. And when potential clients hear about MindLitech, what is it that that really excites them most about the community, about the platform? Mm. Depends depends on organizations, whether they have experienced previously some sort of mental health, emotional well-being programs, or they are newbies. Okay. But I guess that the, the, the easiest part to uh, understand is the journaling, where we provide employees a gamified tool to train their minds by self-reflection, choosing uh, emotion that uh, defines uh, your feeling uh, at, at this moment the best. And then based on your selection, you get personalized experience. So this personalization part, of course, it's uh, something that uh, really interests um, organizations um, and data that we can provide afterwards. So currently we are already showing anonymized and aggregated data of trends there. And based on um, on data, we uh, suggest uh, specific uh, topics on the organizational level. And our data analyst is currently releasing this uh, uh, personal emotional balance trend that we show depending on each entry that the user does. And we will be showing that on a, on a company level. And I'm also super excited at the moment. Uh, I, I, uh, we are uh, currently discussing with one of our um, partners. We don't even call them clients. Those are partners that we work together um, to combine their objective data re- regarding sick leave, 
uh, and turnover and holidays together with what emotions uh, did we see just before it happened so that we can actually show the trends on your particular organization when to uh, plan that this is going to come and not only like on a seasonal level but yeah. on your company level that is so interesting okay now one of the things that can contribute to stress in the workplace uh, are people who just lack knowledge and giving constructive feedback you know what are some best practices to keep in mind when giving constructive feedback in your opinion that reminds me of one uh, i think it was week long training that i went uh some years ago and it was related to constructive ref reflection and feedback uh the whole week was about it and i remember this main um structure of the feedback that i enjoyed the most which was um created by three f's they call it so fact feeling and future so that was the I have, I, I think I have an article uh, written on it in, in LinkedIn if uh, somebody is interested in more details, but basically focusing on aligning the facts of what happened, uh, right? Not necessarily in the big co conflict, but even when we are uh, giving feedback after a period of time, these are the facts. Then really making sure that both sides agree on facts first, uh, and then we can move from there. Uh, the feeling... Uh, reflecting on the feeling I had, but not the feeling somebody made me have. That's the really important part here, because this is where the conflict uh, might rise or or people might be resistant to the feedback if uh, the feedback uh, giver puts blame on uh, making him feel in any particular way. Mm -hmm. Feelings are our own responsibility related to past experiences, right? And fears that we currently have due to past experiences. So the feeling part is where we actually express, this is how I felt, or this is, uh, these are the emotions that uh, were running through me. Right. Uh, maybe even going deeper into what it relates to, right? Maybe the past experiences I had, if I want to go even deeper. But even the simple feeling expressed in a way that is nonviolent, not put, not blaming, but rather, this is the feeling I had. Uh that little, so, that little yeah, shift right there is so important because most people jump to, he made me feel this way. You know, he made me angry. And then just exactly. shifting that little point of view, oh, no, no, no. Exactly. How did you feel? Because as you said, exactly. you control your own feelings. Yeah. That, that's Yeah. <laughs> because the moment I say you made me feel in any particular way, you actually get this responsibility that like, here, take it. This is yours. And this is where you either fight or flight. Uh, mode, uh, you immediately have this mode, uh, if it's something that is, uh, perceived as unpleasant, right? right? Like you made me feel angry or unpleasant, but at the same time, if you made me feel loved, maybe that's a good blame to put, but, uh, like encouraging this behavior, that's a, a, a little bit, um, different, uh, diff yeah, it's a, a little bit easier. But when we talk about this uh, constructive, that is unpleasant feedback or about something we want to change, this is where it's really important to, uh, acknowledge the feelings and responsibility of it on your own. And just after this, uh, expressing feelings, if we do not go into flight mode, but you made me do this, or, but you know, I was stressed, I did not have time. And we don't get stuck on the feeling zone, but really acknowledge the feelings both of us had, and maybe even going deeper into where those feelings are coming from, our past experiences usually, right? 
this is where we can go to the third F, which is future. Uh, so what could be or how can we as a team or as partners or as a, as a group or work in the future in order to uh, have different outcomes, especially if we want to have different outcomes. But even if we want to have the same outcomes, we can also talk about the future. We should definitely continue to do that, right? Right, right, right. So, so fact, fact, feeling, feeling future. future. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. What's one piece of advice you can share with my listeners? Uh, you know, just to be happier. What, what, what do you suggest? Mm, don't try to be happy all the time. <laughs> it's okay not to be happy. We shouldn't be always excited and happy. It's, it's, it's impossible. We are so much more, so much more than happiness. Happiness is just one of the emotions. I strongly, so strongly suggest, and this is what we are preaching with Mindletic, is to seek for sustainable living and having um, your own emotional balance between different emotions and try to understand your limitations so that you wouldn't go out of your standard deviation uh, of, 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 of the zone of various emotions you have uh, in order not to fall into burnout or uh, anxiety or even heavier uh, experiences there due to this huge um, change distribution of different emotions, but rather finding your own balance between different of those, be it high energy, pleasant, high energy and pleasant, that is also useful. It's a power to move forward. It's a power to to start the renaissance and um, just really value and, and see value in different emotions. That's, that's the main. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but this has been a lot of fun. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. For everybody listening, uh, stay tuned for next week as we uh, continue our series with Lithuania and interviewing fascinating startup founders from Lithuania. How do you say goodbye in Lithuanian, Yeah. Um, the Sagaro or Ata? Okay, Ata. Ata, everyone. Ata, Ata. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating. Also, don't forget to sign up for the ICO newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest. Thanks.